I don't know about you, um, but my world has been spinning crazy. It's like I'm a, th- for those that are older than my generation and older, I feel like a 33 record played on 45. For those that are younger, a chipmunk is an example of the chipmunks. Okay, so my boy, I don't know. It's I don't know about you, but I've had I've hardly had time to stop, to think. Anyone else like that? You know, you, you go, man, alive! This is just spinning out of just faster. And then when I tell you that Christmas is how many days away, Noah? Where's Noah? Fifty-four days away. Christmas is away. That does, you just got up to seventy-two RPM just then. And are you right? Your number right? Every day he adjusts. On our, on our, for the last year, on our kitchen, he's had a bit of a countdown days to Christmas. Can someone ask Siri? All right. No, you're wrong. Okay. Anyway, let's get back on topic here. Over the last little while, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that, that a few of us were in India on a mission trip. It wasn't that long ago we were doing a whole missions focus as a church. We had guest ministry. Uh, we had Pastor Zoran Ponovich who was here two weeks ago. That two weeks ago? Preach a sensational message on, on being uncommon. Uh, and also the importance of us sitting where people sit. And uh, if, you, if, you, if you missed that, I'd encourage you, those messages are online. You can go to our website. You can uh, subscribe to us on our Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify. Whatever you want to do, you, you can do it. We've got it set up for you. Just go on our website, click on it, and you'll be able to download and listen to those messages. They were, they were really um, important. In fact, Pastor Zoran delivered a, a prophetic word over our church, and that's all. That's uh, that is on our church news link. So if you get our church news, you can go through and click on the link and listen to the two or three minute prophetic word that Pastor Zoran uh, declared over our church. Uh, but also that you'll get to access the messages as well. And last week, Ali preached a great message, uh, reminding us that uh, Jesus has chosen us as his bride. And we saw the love yesterday with Dave and Libby. We saw the love a groom has for a bride. We saw how overwhelmed a groom is when a radiant bride comes down to meet him. And you know what? God sees us like that. And uh, sometimes we don't see us like that. And, uh, you know, in reflecting on last week, we are, not, we are not defined by what the world thinks of us. The world doesn't think too highly of the church, but Jesus does. You know, we are not to be defined by what others think of us. We are not to even be defined by what we think of us. We are to be, de- be defined by what God thinks of us. And he thinks that his church and his people and you are worthwhile and valuable and beautiful. And so uh, the question I want to start with is, uh, so my topic is follow. I'll, I'll touch on this this week and next week. And I'm going to get to the point this morning that we'll discover that failure is not final. Isn't that good? I'm not declaring that over our HSC students because that's not, not an option. But... Um, <laughs> what do you say? HSC does not define you. You tell them, Lauren, who's now into HSC year for next year. Um, but what are you known for? I'm going to throw some names at you, and I want you to tell me what they're known for. Okay, a bit of interaction. Okay, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, Black Widow, the Hulk, Avengers. Okay, we got the gist of it. We got to, I'm going to call some names out, 
and you've got to tell me about what they're defined for, what group they're identified by. Okay. B.A. Baracus, Howling Mad Murdoch, Templeton Peck, the A-Team. Who got that right? Good on your feet. Okay, easy one. George, Paul, Ringo, John, okay. Okay, construction worker, Indian, cop, sailor, village people, okay. For the next generation, tigress, viper, monkey, mantis, crane. Ben? It is the Furious Five. You've been studying that for the last couple of weeks, haven't you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I tried this one on my son and he failed yesterday, but my other son might help. Ali actually got it. Nick, Joe, and Kevin. Hey! Well done. Okay. Another generation. You'll get this one as soon as I had the first one. Bjorn. Okay, let's try this one. Hero, Honey, Gogo, Wasabi, Fred, Baymax. <laughs> Big heroes. <laughs> okay, one more. Deadshot, Joker, Suicide Squad. All right. Actually, any, you should be excluded from answering any popular culture questions, Sam. Okay, last one. Matthew, Mark. Luke, John, and I threw a trick one in there. Actually, he picked up the trick. They are the gospels, but the trick was that that Luke wasn't a disciple. Ah, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Matthew, Mark, and John were okay. Okay, so twelve disciples, and so uh, who, who can anyone want to give it? A, don't, I'm not going to ask because you, you may get it wrong. Anyone really confident they can name all the 12 disciples? I, d- I would recommend no one put their hand up. I would. Because there's a, depending on what gospel you would sort of uh, look at, there's a couple of variant names that one guy was named two different things. And so anyone still want to have a go? No. Very wise indeed. Barb, you don't want to do it? I would have to sing it. No. <laughs> Is there a song? There were 12 disciples Jesus brought to help him. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, his brother, John, Thomas, Philip, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas, and Bartholomew. Well, that'll be on the worship set for next week. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Now, whilst you're technically wrong, I'm not going to hold that up because, you know... <laughs> Andrew knows what that's like. All right. Hey, these 12 disciples... I'm going to talk about 12 disciples this morning. And these 12 were incredibly special to Jesus. Jesus had chosen each one of them. How cool is that to be chosen by Jesus? He would say, come... And follow me. And these guys that spent twelve years, sorry, three years with Jesus, 
and they were well respected in their Christian community. Some of these 12 were more famous than others. Many have churches named after them. Hands up if your name or your child's name includes a disciple or a female variant. Peter, Mark, Andrew, Peter, Paul, Mary. No, no, that's another group. Uh, Luke, okay. That's not many, I'm sure. So, um, actually, we haven't named any. We stuck with the Old Testament. No, okay, move along. Okay. Many other more spiritual people named their kids after the disciples. Um, some were fishermen. Some, I could never be one of them. Uh, some were tax collectors. Some were religious extremists. Some were businessmen. Some wrote letters. Some travelled to foreign countries. Many churches were, were named after them. Um, some of these 12, they died young. Uh, some died at an old age. History records that most of them would give their lives to extend the kingdom of God. And so um, here's uh, Matthew's version of the 12. In verse, uh, start with verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them the authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. Simon, also Peter, then Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John. That song doesn't work with this particular verse. But there was James, son of Zebedee, and John, James's brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus. Thaddeus, was that in your song? Thaddeus. Um, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. And if you were to study the book of Acts and the history of the early church, you would discover a couple, you'd see that Jesus called them to himself, then he commissioned them, he'd go on to commission them uh, to go and make a difference, to go and make disciples and change the world. And he gave them the Holy Spirit, the coming of the day of Pentecost was the coming of the Holy Spirit to empower his disciples to complete the task. You know, it's very easy to, to look at their history and to read their stories and think that these guys were like a bunch of superheroes. 12, 12 spiritual superheroes. And, but as I read the Gospels, I discover something about this ragtag bunch of men. I discover they weren't really superheroes. In fact, they were very ordinary people that Jesus chose to use. Not only that, these guys weren't as perfect as we'd like to believe. These guys weren't as, 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 as spiritual as we'd like to think at times. Which is good news for me because, because I know this will shock all of you, especially my wife. I'm not perfect. No. I slip downstairs. I can't, I can't, I can't. But as I, as I consider who Jesus would call, who Jesus would use, that, that he would choose 12 men that uh, one of them would betray him. You know, let's skip him for a minute. Um, but Jesus would choose 12 imperfect men, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect. And surprise, surprise, you're not perfect. And, uh, and there's times where I feel rather ordinary, and there's times when I feel rather plain, and there's, there's times when the topic is, is failure isn't final, and there's times when I think, man, I have failed. Anyone else feel like me from time to time? Okay, just me and Andre. That's it. So, so Luke chapter 9. I want to focus on Luke chapter 9. A, few, a couple of months ago, we were at Crossland Conference, 
And a couple of the seeds for this message and next week's message was birthed out of some thoughts that were shared at conference. And so I want to start in Luke chapter... In fact, we spend most of the morning in Luke chapter 9. So if you've got your Bibles, they look like this in case you've forgotten what they look like. Um, or they look like, uh, hold up your phone, someone, and look, they couldn't look like that. Uh, if you didn't bring one, I'll have the verses on the screen so you don't feel left out. Okay. Wait, are you doing this as well, or just me? Okay. One day, everyone say one day. Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Similar to what... We talked about in Matthew when Jesus called and sent them. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned these people to their fate. And so they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. I'm glad these tissues are here, actually. Pardon me. Just turn around and not watch me blow my nose. I'm back. That was a boys' brigade turn. If anyone ever noticed the boys' brigade turns, that was a boys' brigade turn. So, um, okay. Anyone know what the boys' brigade turn about face is? Okay, I'll teach you later. Help desk, put your name down, I'll sign you up for a course. Um, Okay, these 12 young men, some of them were still teenagers. We're all our teenage young men and girls. (laughs) Thanks, Lauren. But they were teenagers. Can you imagine how excited they would be that Jesus would call them, that Jesus would spot them and say, hey, follow me. And then Jesus gathered them together and then he sends them out and, and Jesus gives them power and authority over the spiritual enemy. How cool is that? Could you imagine if Jesus turned up and said, Hey, Shannon, follow me, and now I'm going to give you authority and power over the enemy. That'd be cool. He'd say, Shannon, that beard looks great. <laughs> he goes, You look like me now. Not me, him. So, so Jesus would... So these young men, and, and effectively women, if they were there, these young people... Jesus called and he empowered them with power and authority over sickness and disease. And in verse 6 we read that they, they began their circuit of the villages. What were they doing? They were preaching the gospel and they were healing the sick. That would be exciting. Who'd like to be doing that? I, I, I'd, love to be, I'd love to be known as I, I preach the gospel and I heal the sick. And so this is what these, these 12 were doing. It's very exciting. They were full of faith. Not only could just Jesus, I mean, yeah, up to this point, Jesus could heal the sick, which was a miracle worker, but now they could heal the sick. And a few, few, so a few verses later, after they've been full of faith and been healing the sick, we come to the next opportunity for a miracle. And, and the context to this is that people had been listening to Jesus all day, and, uh, and they were starting to get hungry, much like some of you may be today. And so in verse, verse 12, Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. Uh, But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole 
crowd. You could tell they're teenagers because that's pretty sassy. Who else has got teenage kids? Who's had teenage kids? Yeah, yeah, you can understand, can't you? That's, that's a pretty sassy comment. What, what do you mean? Are you expecting us to go, no, I, my kids aren't like that, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> Ali disagrees. You know the rest of the story. The, the disciples in Luke's account tells us we've got five loaves and two fish. Uh, John would tell us exactly where those five loaves and two fish come. John would say, well, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Another teenager speaking up. And so uh, here we find the story here. We, we know the five loaves and two fish were provided by a, a young, insignificant boy who'd, whose mum packed him a sandwich and he, he didn't have much. He could have sat and eaten his own lunch by himself and fill his tummy, but rather he would give what little he had to Jesus and he would feed the multitude. So, you know, that's not the point of the message. I'm talking about these disciples. I'm talking about these superheroes. I'm talking about the, I'm going to call them the troubled twelve. Because first, I want you to look at how these guys responded. How did our faith-filled, mighty, super strong disciples, how did they respond to a need? Well, firstly, they operated from a worldly point of view. They figured, Jesus, you asked us to feed them. How can we feed them? We've got nothing. All we've got is this meagre bit of, bit of this, this little kid brought us this little lunchbox full of stuff, and that's not going to do anything. It wasn't that long ago that they were out there healing the sick. How quickly it is, and throughout this message, I don't want to be putting these guys down because they, they accomplished a lot for the kingdom. But as I read this, I think, you know what, I, I can be like these guys. I can, I, can, I can see God come through in miraculous ways, and, and then all of a sudden I start operating from the natural realm. I start thinking, well, I haven't got, I haven't got enough resources to give. I haven't got enough. I haven't got enough time to give. Oh, look, Jesus, you're asking me to give this. You're asking me to do something, but I haven't got much. I can look at God. What you're asking, it's impossible. So I've got to be careful that when I read the stories in Scripture about these disciples, that I don't sort of put them down. I can see myself in that. I can see myself when Jesus asks me to give or go or do. I can think. You know, my first, my first response, to be honest, is really in the naturalist. Really. You're asking me to do that? You're asking me to give that? You're asking me to, to, to eat, whether it's giving to the church? Is that what you want me to do? Can I do that? Jesus here is showing the disciples, you know what, we are called to be supernatural people. And the disciples know what it's like to heal the sick. They know what it's like to, to see miracles come to pass, but don't operate from the natural. They had, I call it flaky faith, because their faith was dependent on their circumstance. So as we stay in Luke chapter 9, we're going to come down to verse 28. And that's the story of what uh, in church we know is the transfiguration. The story where, where Jesus goes to a mountainside to pray with, um, with Peter, James and John. Now we talked about the 12. The 12 were, a, uh, the troubled 12 were a, a group of disciples. They weren't a band, they were a group of disciples. But in the 12, there was another subset. There was another, another, another special group that were close to Jesus, Peter, James, and John. And so, uh, so Jesus takes these extra special guys on the mountain and said, hey, guys, come and pray with me. And so, um, so we get to verse 29. 
And as they were praying, uh, sorry, as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see and they were speaking about his exodus from this world which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. That's quite a significant event. We've, we've, got, a, uh, we've got Moses and Elijah coming to meet with Jesus. Jesus being transformed the glorious, into his glorious form. And, in, and, and Elijah and, and Moses sort of talking, saying, well, Jesus is talking through what's going to happen. And wouldn't that be a great thing to see? Wouldn't that be a great thing if Jesus said, hey, come along with me. You're going to see something cool. Wouldn't that be really good? Who'd like to do that? Now, we would all like to do that. And so um, I, can, I reckon those three disciples would have been really excited about this event. True? Peter and the others had fallen asleep. And when they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As I read this again, I'm reminded, you know what, I'm a little bit like those disciples. Chances are, if I was there, I'd probably have fallen asleep as well. My, my heading here is pillow prayers. Who's ever done this? You go to bed. Father God, I bring... Jesus, Lord, thank you, I'm here. Help me. Anyone else do this? Pillow prayers. These disciples, Jesus had called them and asked them to come to an amazing experience with them. And they said, would you come and pray with me? And of course, they said, yeah, we'd love to pray with you, Jesus. But I'm just so exhausted. I'm just so tired. And, and, and what I discover here is that... Uh, I'll, I'll write, I wrote it out. So what I discover here... Firstly, Jesus doesn't condemn them for their lack of prayer. And secondly, I wrote down that God does not need us to pray for him to act or move. The disciples were having a nap. Jesus doesn't, well, I don't know what we're going to do now. The disciples are having a sleep. Well, what I discover is that God can move regardless of whether we pray or not. And God will move regardless whether we pray or not. But we have been invited to pray. And as we pray, we, we, we can experience, we can partner with what God is doing. We get to play a part in seeing heaven touch earth. So I want to encourage you, firstly, you know, I, I know prayer is hard. In fact, even the disciples found it hard. They would say to Jesus, you know, teach, me, teach us to pray. We, we're struggling with this thing called prayer. And so I know prayer is hard. I know, I know you can be tired. I know you might have prayed as many pillow prayers as me. But what I do know is that please don't be discouraged and think God can't move without your prayers. God doesn't need your prayers. But if you, if you, if you can partner with him, if, you, if you're able to, to, to grow in this, uh, this, uh, this discipline, grow in this uh, gift of prayer, you can get to partner with what God's doing and start to see him move in amazing ways. So, pillow prayers. Let's move on to these famous 12. The rest of the chapter, we're going to get another glimpse into the life of these 12s. Uh, let's go to verse 44. Listen to me and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. But they didn't know what he meant. 
its significance was hidden from them, so they couldn't understand it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Now, uh, Luke does tell us that the significance of what Jesus said was hidden from them, and so they, they, they didn't understand it, and that's because they weren't given permission to understand it. But what I'm interested in, the fact that they were afraid to talk to Jesus about it. For some reason, they were afraid to talk to Jesus. Sometimes we may get afraid to talk to Jesus. Yeah, if I was to ask Jesus that question, what would he think of me? If I was to say to Jesus, I don't understand that, would he, would he rebuke me? Would he slap me around? Would he? Sometimes we also can be afraid to talk to Jesus. Sometimes we can be full of shame or we can be full of, you know, I, I'm not just or low self-esteem and we just don't feel good enough to talk to Jesus. Or we, or we think if I ask Jesus that question, if I have a discussion with him, he's going to reject me because, because if Jesus knew what I did this week, he wouldn't want to listen to me. So sometimes here I was sort of thinking through, well, the, the disciples were afraid to ask, what's Jesus going to do? He, I know that Jesus is kind and loving. He's not going to condemn them. And so, so I want to encourage you, we don't need to put on a brave face with Jesus. We don't need to go, well, Jesus, I know everything that's going on. I've got no concerns. I've got no worries. I've got no fears. It's all cool. I want to encourage you, you can go to Jesus. You don't need to be afraid of him. You don't need to be afraid of his answers. You don't need to be afraid of his response to you. We can come with our questions, our doubts and our worries and he will lovingly help us with them. Now we're going to start turning the dial up because these disciples aren't particularly setting a good role model for us at this point. So let's go to verse 46. Then his disciples began what? Arguing. Fear and fighting. That's my title. Can you believe this? Last time I checked, these were the 12 disciples. These were the guys that, that, that some of the books are named after, the churches are named after, some of your kids are named after some of these guys. And they began arguing about what is the greatest. They began to compare themselves to one another. Each of them thought they were better than someone else. And we can so easily do the same thing. Now, we do it in different ways. We don't talk about who is the greatest. We might, I won't bring my family into this much more, but um, I'll avoid them. Sometimes we think we can do things better. Sometimes we think that we are better than the other person. Sometimes we think that our, our ideas are better. Sometimes we think our, our wisdom is better. Sometimes we think our way is better than the other person's way. And Jesus goes on to remind them that whoever is the least is the greatest. So I want to encourage all of us, if we are uh, seeking greatness that's not found from comparing ourselves and thinking, well, you're better than me, I'm better than you. It's, it comes from serving one another. And so then we come along to verse 49. So fear and fighting was these, these disciples were doing. And then John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons. We told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. The disciples here, I don't know if you're picking up a trend in this one chapter in Luke. The disciples here, are not, they're not only arguing who's the greatest, they're now sort of saying, well, hang on a sec. There's someone who's not 
one of us. There's someone who looks a bit different to us. There's someone who sounds a bit different to us. There's someone who goes to a different church to us. There's someone who has a different ministry style to us. There's someone who believes a, a different thing about, about what we hold so passionate to. This. There's someone else doing something and they're very different to us and so we told them to stop it because you know we are the, we are the ones. We are the chosen ones. That's what they were thinking. And Jesus had to correct them. And then we go to verse 51. And as the time drew new for Jesus to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of him to Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Who's ever said this prayer? Don't, don't, don't. I'm not going to tell anyone who put their hand up just then. But um, what on earth is this about? I know Jesus had told them to dust their feet off the ground if they're not accepted to, to, to dust their feet off the ground. But James and John went one step further. They, they were, it says here that, they were, that Jesus was going to Jerusalem and he had to go through a Samaritan village. But the Samaritan village guy said, we don't want Jesus to come to our village. We know he's off to Jerusalem. We, we don't want him to come to our village. And so James and John, if last time I checked, James and John were one of those elite three. James and John were, were part of the really special group that Jesus had. In fact, out of that special group, you had the 12, then you had three, and then there was one even more special one, which was John, who the scripture records him as the disciple that Jesus loved. He was part of this. He was saying, you know what? These guys don't want you. We're going to, Jesus, do you, do you, were they serious? Did they really believe that, 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 that they could call down fire from heaven to burn them up? I don't know. I think they were. We, we, we live in a society that many people don't welcome Jesus. We live in a, in a country that is very quickly uh, abandoning who Jesus, uh, the, the, the value and the foundation of Christianity. How do we pray? Do we pray like that? I hope you don't. Our, our response to, 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 in fact, it says here that Jesus would rebuke them. Jesus re- returned and rebuked them. I wonder what Jesus would say. He would say, these are the people I came to save. The ones that are rejecting me. The ones that are opposing me. The ones that are opposing you. The ones that are persecuting you. The ones that are, that are making things difficult for you. They are the ones that I came to reach and to save. So don't call down fire from heaven. Rather ask that the Holy Spirit would soften their hearts. I think sometimes it's so easy for us to, to, uh, to, to pray and, and pray that God will just get rid of them. Or maybe not get rid of them, or just silence them. But um, I think the Lord calls us for something greater than that. You know, as we, as we sort of get to the end of this message, I've looked at Luke chapter 9, and it's not, they haven't got a pretty good rap these, these 12 disciples. In fact, it seems Luke was writing for a current affair and he was choosing to, to talk about all the worst things that the disciples did. 
It seemed like he was writing for sort of all, all, all for some gossip magazine or magazines and our uh, media that is just just destroying and pulling down uh, the, the the works of, of God. And and so Luke seems in Luke chapter nine seems to be intentionally intentionally writing about how bad the disciples were. It shows us that these really weren't a group of superheroes. They were just a they were a troubled twelve group of people. And I'm sure if I was a disciple. And uh, remember, Luke wasn't. And he wrote this, this story down. But if I, I'd say, Luke, do you have to include that bit? Luke, Luke can you delete the bit about... You know, I wonder if James and John said to Luke, you know what, can you edit your book because you're not presenting us very well? Now, the thing about us cooling down fire from... Come on, can you just forget about that? Or, or, or the other disciple, Luke, can you just delete the... In fact, Luke, can you just tear out that whole chapter 9 because it doesn't represent us very well. And that's just one chapter. I mean, if you read through the rest of the Gospels, you'll see that Peter would deny Jesus. You'd see Thomas would, would doubt Jesus. And ultimately, you'd see Judas would b- betray Jesus. And, and from my perspective, if, if I knew that these guys were going to cause so much trouble... If I was Jesus, I'm not too sure I, was, I would pick them. I'd, I'd be looking, if I, if I knew in advance what they'd do, I'm not too sure if I was Jesus that I would choose this motley bunch of people who had all sorts of troubles, all sorts of problems, all sorts of hang-ups. I'd be looking for a different bunch. And the Bible tells us that Jesus knows all men's hearts. It says Jesus knew exactly who he was calling. Jesus knew exactly who he was bringing to himself. Jesus knew who would doubt him. Jesus knew who, who would betray him. Jesus knew who, who would have flaky faith. Jesus knew who would have pillow prayers. Jesus knew who was going to be selfish. Jesus knew who was going to act shamelessly. And he still called them. So Jesus is different to us. He doesn't, see, uh, he doesn't see us for the mess we are. Jesus sees us for the miracles we can become. And I'm sure if I was... I'm not too sure, and I'll, I'll say this with great respect to our elders. If I was me, I'm not too sure I'd pick me to be the pastor of this church. <laughs> too late, that's all I've got to say. <laughs> Uh, I'm not too sure that necessarily that you would pick you to be used by God to do what he's asking you to do. Because when you really have a look at your life and your, and your, and your, and your stuff and you, and you think, well, gee, I don't know about that. But Jesus doesn't see us for who we are. He doesn't see us for the mess and the problems and the hang-ups and the issues. Jesus doesn't see us for that. He came to redeem that. But he sees us for who he's called us to be. So Jesus um, called us. He calls us. He commissions us. And he empowers us to reach a lot broken, lost, and messed up world. That's what he does. And I can't think of any better people to reach a broken, lost, and messed up world. I can't think of a better bunch of people than a bunch of broken, lost, and messed up people. And, and I'll be the first one I'm saying, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I was one of them. And at times I still behave like one of them. 
And chances are you might be a little bit like that too. And so Jesus wants us to reach this world. And what a wonderful truth that he's, he chooses us. He's chosen me. He's chosen you. I'm not too sure I'd choose you. <laughs> no, I'd choose you. But I'm looking at it from a human point of view. But Jesus sees us. Jesus sees this church for what he's called it to be. And yes, you know, like Ali touched on this last week, you know, yes, the church can be a bit messed up and, and, and broken and all that. But Jesus came to redeem that. And Jesus calls us to go and walk out differently. And so, yeah, the best people to use are messed up people. The, the, the reality is, the good news is we may start out messed up, we may start out broken, but as we walk out our Christian faith, as we, as we, are, as, as we are equipped by God's word, as we are empowered by God's spirit, and as we are encouraged by God's people, we will, we will slowly become the people and the church that God wants us to be. We don't stay the way we were. And uh, as I was preparing this, I said, Lord, I need your help. I'm sure all of us need his help. You know, because, because you can look at these disciples and maybe in some of their stories you saw yourself thinking, yeah, gee, I was a little bit like that. The good news is that failure isn't final. And so, Lord, we need your help. I'll get our team up, please. You know, for us to lead people from brokenness to find healing, we need God's help. We need God's help to lead people out of despair and help them find hope. We need God's help to lead people out of their fear and help them find faith. We need God's help to help lead people out of condemnation and show them that there is a freedom and grace that is found in Jesus. It's not because we are better than anyone else. The thing is that, that God chooses us and calls us, not because we're better or not because we've got it all worked out. But for us, for those of us who have encountered Jesus and experienced his love and his grace, we've tasted how beautiful he is. And we've tasted how much he can change our lives. And our response then is to simply follow. Yeah, but I messed up, Mark. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I've done this. I don't know that. But God does. But I've thought this. I'm sure you have. But I'm disqualified because of this. Who says? Jesus calls us to follow. And he knows. He knows our very worst. He knows our very ugly bits. And he still calls us not to stay in that way. He gives us a robe of righteousness that we clothe ourselves on with. And he calls us, would you follow me? Would you, would, would, you, would, you, would you be willing in the midst of your still working it out, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your mess, in the midst of your uncertainty, in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your, your feelings of inadequacy? And you, would you in the, oh, he's still calling you. He sees what you can do. And he sees what we as a church can do. And he would say, would you still follow me? Don't disqualify yourself because on the cross I qualified you. Failure is not final. For each of our disciples, 
except Judas. All of them. And Judas had every, every opportunity to. find and experience grace and repent. But every other disciple, those troubled 12, they accomplish something. Now you may, not, you may not change the world like the disciples did, but I tell you what, you can have an impact in your family. You can have impact where you work or an impact at school or an impact at uni. Or in the hospitals, or in your music studios. I don't know. But I'm not good enough. Jesus knows. He makes the cross is about becoming good enough. But he says, Will you follow me? Will you, like these disciples who gave their life? Most of them were martyred for their faith. Most of them sacrificed their life for the king that they loved. Would you follow? Would you say, Jesus, let's just bow our heads for a moment, close our eyes. I just want a a simple response this morning. Well, I don't want it. I'll give you the opportunity for one. That, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to see how much you love us. And Lord, I just ask that you would just stir among our hearts this morning. And if you're here this morning, that would would say, you know what? I know I'm messed up. I know I've got hang-ups. I know I'm still working some stuff out. But if Jesus calls me and sends me, I'm going to follow. If that's you, just just raise your hand high and say to me, I'm making a decision today. In, in, in spite of my mess and, and craziness and uncertainty, I'm choosing to follow. I'm going to follow. Who else is going to follow? And say, so, you know, I'm going to follow. I know some of you may be uncomfortable raising your hand. That's fine. But I want you to consider this fact. That Jesus knows you for your very worst. But he sees you for your very best. And he's asking you as you are now. Would you follow him? Would you give your life to serve, to love him and to change the world that he's placed you in? So Lord, I thank you for those that have responded with their hands or responded with their hearts. And Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us to to realise that our failure isn't final, that we are not disqualified. There's nothing we can do that can disqualify us from your love and from your plans and your purposes. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be followers. I pray that you'd help us to not just be followers, but help us to lead others to become followers of you. And Lord, we need your help. We can't do this by ourselves. And we thank you for those that have gone before us. We thank you for those 11 disciples, the 12 disciples who were prepared to make mistakes because they were prepared just to serve and follow you. Help us to be like them with all our stuff. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.